welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Amanda Toy of Nicole and Rose. So welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks, Allison. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for coming. Um, For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Amanda, the founder and designer of Nicole and Rose, which is a size-inclusive slow fashion brand focused on empowering women to be their most beautiful, authentic, and worthy selves. And we create timeless and effortless clothing. All of our pieces are made here in Calgary, Alberta. Um, all made in salt batches, and we use eco-friendly fabrics, mainly linen at the moment. Nice. And there's lots of cool things in there, but um, what, how did you get into this? Like, do you have a background in fashion, or how did you get into starting a fashion brand? Yeah, so maybe I'll go back to the very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a background in fashion, but um I really have loved fashion since I was a young girl and playing dress up was one of my favorite things. I Mm -hmm. especially loved dressing up my younger sisters. So she would be the model and then I was the wardrobe stylist, makeup artist, hairstylist, set designer, photographer, (laughs) all of that. And so those are some really um, just really nice memories from our childhood. And um, growing up, my mom actually owned a small appliance store. Um, And I was always asking her if I could turn one corner of the store into a clothing store. But sadly, (laughs) the answer was always no. And as I got older and started thinking about what I wanted to do after high school, I really wanted to go to fashion school. My parents weren't really convinced and said I would never get a job in fashion. So instead, I went to university and ended up getting a degree in marketing. And what I didn't necessarily realize at the time is that they meant I would never get a job in fashion in Saskatoon, the small city where I grew up. And I think what they didn't realize is I never planned on staying in Saskatoon. And so fast forward to after university, I worked in Saskatoon in marketing for about a year. And then I decided I wanted to move to London, England, and I wanted to do an internship yeah in fashion I thought there would be so many opportunities there and maybe that would be my chance to get into fashion and so because I had marketing experience I actually found it easier to get a marketing internship rather than a fashion one so I did work in marketing yeah in a tech startup for the first few months and then I did actually get a job at a fashion brand in marketing which at the time that was just a huge dream job for me Um, I got to combine my love of fashion and my marketing experience, and I really thought I had found my dream job, but unfortunately, I was just on a two-year working visa, and that was running out. Um, So after the two years in London, um, I did move back to Canada, but this time to Vancouver. Um, It's just such a beautiful city, and I really loved living there, and it's really where I started to question my purpose and my values. And I just started to do a lot of self-work and self-discovery. Fast forward to another couple of years, I moved again. Um, 
to Calgary, where I currently live. Mm-hmm. I was really just feeling lost trying to figure out what my purpose was and how I could have a greater impact in the world. And I always thought I would start my own business one day, but I just could never figure out what that business was supposed to be. And then fast forward one more time to the pandemic. Um, And so sewing was something um, that I was always really interested in, but felt really intimidated by. Um, But luckily a very good friend of mine gave me the push I needed just to try it out. So we were spending so much time indoors. So I bought a sewing machine, watched a ton of YouTube videos and (laughs) realized right away it was something that I really did enjoy. And I think it also just gave me a greater appreciation for clothes and really opened my eyes to how much time and effort can go into making clothes. It made me start to really question the fast fashion industry and how clothing was being made at such a quick and cheap rate. And I dug deeper and really discovered more and more about the harmful effects that fast fashion has on humans and the environment. And as I continued to learn more about sustainability, I started to discover some really amazing slow fashion brands and I loved their approach to creating ethical, sustainable and timeless clothing that is made to last really the opposite of fast fashion. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I realized my childhood dream of creating a clothing brand might align with my values by starting a slow fashion brand. And so I took the leap. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a journey from, (laughs) from, but I'm sure like there, I I find talking to different designers and entrepreneurs that they, the journey is never very straightforward. It's always kind of, Mm -hmm. I went here and then I went there and I majored in something else and I came back to fashion and, and, but it all kind of feeds into each other. And, you know, like you said, the marketing, I'm sure really helps you when you're running Mm -hmm. a brand. Yeah, it's Um, funny because at the time, like it just, I just felt so lost and didn't know what I was doing. But like looking back at it all now, it it does feel like it makes sense. And I'm so glad that I do have a background in marketing because exactly it's come in so found. So um, it's been (laughs) so helpful now that I have my own brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I want to dig into a few pieces of your whole journey a little bit more, kind of starting Mm -hmm. with the decision to not go into fashion like if you knew that was already something always something that you wanted to do and but it sounds like maybe your parents are like no that's not like that's not a feasible career or whatever um like what was it about fashion that either you or your parents or those around you kind of guiding you towards what major to you know go into uh like what was their view of fashion that made them say this wasn't a good thing to pursue as a career? Yeah, so I think it was more just the city that I grew up. Um, There Mm -hmm. just isn't a lot of fashion opportunities there. So at the time when I was growing up there, there was about 250,000 people. I think the population has grown now, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's still a fairly small city. And so fashion, there just wasn't much there I think if you did want a job in fashion it would be working at like a retail store or having your own brand but there wasn't necessarily much for careers and so I think that's really why they steered me away from it and maybe if we lived in a bigger city such as Vancouver or Toronto their views would have been different Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, I hear that a lot from people who, um, and sometimes it is about fashion in general, like as a career, but then often too, there there's this idea that unless you're in these big cities, unless you're in London and New York or, you know, Toronto or San Francisco mm-hmm. or something that like there isn't fashion jobs, um, yeah, which sometimes definitely. is true, but yeah, yeah it's kind of seen as a very like regional, unless you're in these big hubs, like just forget about it as a career. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, probably what played into it is I don't think they really knew anyone that had a career in fashion as well. And it might mm-hmm. be also because we lived in a smaller city. Um, but yeah, that probably p- played into it a little bit too. Yeah, that's a huge thing. I think of if you don't know anybody doing what you want to do, or <laughs> then it's really hard to even imagine like, what does that look like? What, where do I start with this type of thing? Yeah, that's definitely. Huge. Um, okay, so you majored in marketing and then you moved to London. So, and you were working at a fashion brand a little bit there. So did you start to kind of cross over into like, you're still in a marketing role, but were you kind of picking up on other aspects of the business of fashion at that point? Yeah, a little bit. Like I was really surrounded by it. Um, my role, yeah, was actually specifically in email marketing. Um, so we did cross over with some of the like product teams and the brand teams. Um, I didn't necessarily get into it of kind of all the details of what goes into, um, like all the wholesale and all of that, those aspects, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did kind of, at the time it really was a dream job. Like I loved, loved working there. It was just so much fun just to be surrounded by fashion and clothes. And um, I mean, the one downside was that my whole paycheck pretty much would go back (laughs) to the company. So that wasn't so good. (laughs) Um, But it, it was like a really fun experience. I think it would have been nice, like if I was able to stay longer, if I could have moved to a different area. Mm-hmm. um of the company just to learn more outside of marketing but yeah I just had the it was probably about a year and a half that I had at the actual company before I had to go back home to Canada gotcha and then when you got back to Canada was there a reason why you then were kind of looking at okay what do I want to do maybe start a business versus um, it sounds like that job in London was you really enjoyed. Did you think about kind of looking for another role at a company in Canada when you moved back or not really? Yeah, no, I did. I wanted to find something similar. There wasn't quite as many choices as London. And so mm-hmm. I did apply for some um, marketing roles within a few different fashion brands with within Vancouver. Um, but at the end of the day, I ended up getting hired um, by a marketing agency and it was actually just a really good opportunity because it was more um, going into some digital marketing and learning about um, the world of ads and brand campaigns. So um, I thought that was, that would be a really good experience. And so I ended up going that route. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting again, to like think back like, would I still be in the same spot if I would have 
um, got a role with a fashion fashion brand there or I don't know it's it's just interesting to think think about that yeah because I bet I mean having started a business you you I'm sure you know that like even though you you have a fashion brand now half of it the work is marketing (laughs) and all the things that Ken you were (laughs) doing so you you're kind of doing both I imagine yeah design and the marketing business side yeah so yeah so then you decided to learn how to sew during the pandemic um what was so intimidating about sewing that you said you were kind of hesitant to start at first yeah I I think it just seemed really hard like looking at a piece of clothing and I was like I don't even know how you would put that together and it's funny actually when I was younger um, my auntie sewed and so I would go over to her house I'd more just pick out the fabrics and kind of watch her sew but I didn't necessarily do any of the sewing myself and then um, my sister and I still talk about these sweatpants that I made her I don't know how old I would have been I was maybe like 12 and she's five years (laughs) younger than me but I decided I didn't need a pattern (laughs) and so I we really wish we still had these today because one leg was like shorter and wider than the other there was no like (laughs) elastic in the waistband so they clearly were not wearable Mm -hmm. um and even to thinking back to home ec in high school I remember having to sew like a little pencil case and mine did not turn out very well so I don't know in the past I just didn't seem very good at it and so maybe that also intimidated me as well gotcha yeah I can see how it's like if you look at some like a coat it's like how do you even sew this together Mm -hmm. but it's almost like building blocks where I feel like once you know the order that things get assembled in for clothing then it's easier to like break it down into like okay so this section then move on to like this section and then put them all together and it's less intimidating but yes. um, I'm curious like what was the process of as you were learning to sew what what did you start with and how did that go yeah so um, I went to the local fabric um, store and got um, some linen fabric and then also got a pattern and so my first item that I sewed it was a very simple basically like a robe kind of coat but it had like no pockets no zippers no buttons just very basic mm-hmm. um, and it took me probably like 20 hours to sew oh, this wow. item like cutting out the pattern I remember like cutting it out so slowly and carefully and then lining up all the fabric and making sure it was on grain and I think too it just took me so long because I had to google basically every step or I'd watch yeah like a YouTube video on that step just to make sure I fully understood what it had meant because even reading a pattern for the first time Mm -hmm. um, doesn't always make sense so I'd have to do extra research And so, yeah, that I think was super eye-opening, just seeing how long and how much effort, because you know, you don't see that, you just see clothes hanging in the stores, but you don't realize all the time and effort that goes into it. Yeah, definitely. 
So it sounds like it really changed like how you saw clothing and how you maybe appreciated what goes into the products and the clothing that you buy. Yeah, it changed my mindset a lot. Like, yeah, (laughs) quite a bit. It just, it especially made me start to question the fast fashion industry. And like, honestly, up until that point, I was a pretty big fast fashion consumer. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably every month or two, I'd end up ordering clothes online or going to the mall um, and buying something trendy and cheap. So yeah, it, it just made me see it in a whole, whole different light. Yeah, it's hard to ignore. I, I still am like, how, how is it possible to sell these clothes so cheap sometimes? Mm-hmm. Like knowing just, it's like, even if you have a really fast machine, like there's still all these components and steps that go into it that you, you can't, at a certain point, you can't make any simpler or faster. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's just unfortunate because someone, someone more behind the scenes always pays the price for fast fashion, usually Mm -hmm. the garment workers, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm also curious, did you have a go-to, uh, spot on YouTube to find tutorials on how to sew? Um, or I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember if I had a favorite necessarily. I think I would just search that pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could usually find someone who is doing a tutorial, um, not necessarily the same person every time. I think one thing that did really help me is I found this whole sewing community on Instagram, um, Mm -hmm. that I just had no idea about before I started sewing. And so that was really helpful because you could just search the hashtags for that pattern and Mm -hmm. so many different Um, posts would come up and usually people would um, write pretty long captions about their experience and um, yeah any tips they had for sewing it and I found too that the community was so friendly as well so I could reach out to other people who made it if I had questions and they were so willing to help and give me advice so that was really awesome. That's really cool I'd I'd never thought of like googling or like searching hashtags for a specific pattern before but that's really it's really good advice for anybody who's wanting to (laughs) learn with the pattern with the pattern that they're actually making yeah there's so much out there cool so yeah so how did you then decide to start a fashion brand because I feel like it's a big leap to go from sewing was intimidating to, okay, I got, I got this sewing thing, but then be like, I'm going to start a brand. Like (laughs) there, it's a very different, like sewing for hobby and starting a fashion brand is different things that you're getting into for different reasons. So why did you start a brand? So it was about probably a year, a year had gone by and I dedicated a lot of time to sewing. I think I I sewed 30 garments that first year. Oh, wow. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, I, yeah, all my free time I dedicated to sewing. I honestly, yeah, just loved it so much. And so after about a year, I just started to think like, okay, I, I know, I know more now about fabric and construction of garments. And um, I think one thing too that 
always stopped me from starting my own brand. Like even though um, I had my career in marketing, like in the back of my head, it was something I always thought about. But again, I just never thought it was realistic. I didn't go to fashion school. I didn't know like where would I even get fabric from? Who would I get to sew mm-hmm. it? Like all of that again just seemed so intimidating and I didn't even know where to start. So I think at least learning about fabrics and construction and all of that made me feel a little bit more confident. And so, yeah, as I started thinking about that, I actually came across um, a program to help start your own sustainable fashion brand, um, Factory 45, I think Mm -hmm. Um, you had Shannon on the podcast recently. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I, um, they had a, it was like a free weekend workshop. And so I signed up for that, went to it and I just learned so much and usually not always, but (laughs) typically from some of those free programs, you don't necessarily walk away, um, with much or free like workshops. Um, but from this one, I really had learned so much just in over those couple of days. And so I looked into it more and really thought about it for a little while. I even thought like, maybe I should just sew for one more year till I'm a bit more ready and understand things even better. But a part of me also was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be hundred percent ready and I just need to go for it. So I signed up for the program and that's what really helped me launch my brand. It, it was just so helpful. And yeah, I always recommend to anyone wanting to start a sustainable fashion brand to look into the program because yeah, I really can't recommend it enough. It was so, so helpful. Cool. Yeah, I've heard really great things about it and have worked with a number of brands and interviewed a whole bunch more that have gone through it Yeah, um, and just learned so much and found like really good community of other people like going through the same steps as they are. Definitely. Yeah. I noticed a couple of um, people in my group have been on <laughs> your podcast, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you started a brand and um, like how clear were you going into it about things like, you know, the name of it, what you wanted to offer, what the kind of mission or values of the brand would be like, where, where were you going into it? And then we can kind of talk about where things are now. Yeah. So definitely not clear at all (laughs) going into (laughs) it. And so I think that was one of my main questions when I had kind of like an introductory call before I signed up for the program. Mm-hmm. I had said like, I I don't even know what kinds of clothes I want to produce or what the brand would be called or even what it's going to be about. Like, I really had no idea. And I had asked like, do I need to have that figured out before I start the program? But um, you definitely don't. They help you with all of that. Um, so right from the idea, Um, stage they really help you to kind of get things onto paper and just um, yeah start to form what your brand's going to be about who your target market is and so that was really helpful because yeah I definitely went in with zero idea of what it was going to be. Gotcha so how did you kind of narrow it down and focus on who the target market is and what you want it to be because I think for a lot of designers it's almost like there's too many options, you know, you can choose whatever you want and it's hard to narrow it down. And then it's hard to feel like, did I pick the right kind of niche? 
Mm-hmm. So did you kind of experience that? And what was, how did you actually focus down on, um, cause I feel like your brand is very clear now what it's about. Yeah. So I think where I started is I knew I wanted to create a brand that was really inclusive, was about acceptance and belonging. And so I kind of started there in terms of the clothes itself. I just wanted to create more simple, um, timeless pieces. And so I think maybe I really based it off like what kind of clothes would I like? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted very like effortless pieces that you could throw together and you're just put on a top and a bottom and you look put together. I was never big into styling. And so I like more simple, just putting on a couple pieces. Um, I remember when we were going into the office, I would always have to plan my outfit the night before. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't, if I hadn't done that, the morning of was like a disaster. I'd try on like 15 different outfits and my room would be a a disaster of clothes all over the place. Um, Because you were really trying to like curate a certain look and and hadn't like thought through what that was. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to create these like really effortless pieces and then pieces that just fit you really, really well. And pieces that made you feel like your most beautiful, like authentic, worthy self, um, kind of where the, I guess, worthy kind of piece comes into it. I guess. So when I was younger, um, I was teased by kids in my school because my skin color was a little bit darker. My eyes are a bit smaller than the majority of my classmates. And I just remember feeling so embarrassed and ashamed that I was different or looked different and being a very sensitive child, um, that really had a big impact on me and made me question my worth. It made me dim my light and just be afraid to be seen for who I was. And I just wanted to fit in because I had experienced that being different wasn't a good thing and fitting in meant being who I thought others wanted me to be. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, luckily I had amazing family and friends who accepted me for who I was and I was able to be myself around them. But Unfortunately, I still found myself questioning who I was and my worth a lot of the time. And I think this experience combined with all the expectations that are put on us by society, the media, others, even ourselves, um, made me really self-conscious for a lot of my life. And as I got older and started to dive into the world of self-discovery, I was fortunate enough to find an amazing therapist um, who really helped me to reclaim my self-worth and I started to truly realize and believe that I was worthy and more than enough exactly as I was um and so that's kind of I guess with Nicole and Rose I really wanted to create a brand that helped to make others also feel worthy deserving enough and enough exactly as they are Mm -hmm. and that's really powerful to get to the point where you believe that about yourself and other people too and I'm sorry to hear that you had difficult experience with like the kids at your school that's so mean yeah Um, and I think everyone has something something similar and I think kids can mm -hmm. kids can just be so mean 
And I think realizing it now that I'm older, it was never anything to do with me. It was Mm -hmm. something more probably to do with them and their own insecurities. Yeah, Um, I was going to say, I think a lot of times it is, yeah, it's, it's all the internal stuff that they're like projecting on other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so you had a really powerful then kind of vision and mission for the brand sounds like going into it that like you experienced and you knew like the feeling you wanted to give the you know the people who are going to wear your brand um and I think that can really help guide brands even in like their product design and the choices in their brand so yeah how did how did that kind of like big powerful vision translate into kind of the decisions, the more detailed decisions in the type of clothes you're making or how you're running the business itself? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one part of it with the clothes themselves, like I just wanted to ensure that they fit really well. So Mm -hmm. we do extensive fit testing with all different types of bodies. And so I really want to ensure the clothes can fit the best that they can. And I think that really helps you to feel like your best self when you're really comfortable and the clothes fit you well. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part of it was including affirmations in the brand. And so affirmations are something that really played a big part in my life. And so I knew they had to be a part of the brand somehow. And that's where I kind of got the idea to name all of the pieces after affirmations. And so along with them being named after an affirmation, I actually have all of the affirmations on the tag as well, just to kind of serve as that extra reminder. So for example, the I am enough pants on the tag, when you go to put them on, you'll see that affirmation that reminds you I am enough. That's so cool. That's a fun idea to include it in the tag as well as the name and I'm 100% with you on the good fit is powerful (laughs) and Mm -hmm. how you feel about yourself. And um, that's one of my favorite things about my job as a pattern maker is getting close to fit really well in all different sizes and on, you know, different, different bodies. And it's, it makes a huge difference. Like I always look for when somebody, you know, a fit model or whoever is trying on the pieces to look at their expression because when when they feel really amazing wearing it and it fits them really well like their face will show it like they're smiling it's a noticeable difference yeah <laughs> so sometimes like when I'm doing fittings I will literally I will take photos and like include their face so that if they're not smiling then we have problems if they are smiling you can tell like okay we got it <laughs> yes it's that's so so true um yeah, I'm just thinking about fittings that we've had too, mm-hmm. where I've had some of the models or even I have um, friends or family um, be fit models as well. But I just remember one of the models just saying like, I've never felt this beautiful in clothes, which mm-hmm. yeah, it was really awesome to hear. Yeah, those are the best comments. I feel like the most fulfilling, like, okay, I've made it in my job. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is the goal here. Um, that's wonderful. So yeah, and I noticed and I do want to ask about like your brand is um, more size inclusive than I think a lot of brands, especially starting out because 
your brand is, uh, is it a year, year old now? Yeah. So we launched last April. Okay. So almost here. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of brands tend to kind of narrow their size range, maybe at the beginning. And so, and, and you offer, I think I noticed on your site, like extra small through four X. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a, a broader range than a lot of brands. So, um, was it, why was that so important to you to do from the beginning of your brand? And what was that kind of the process of developing these designs for such, you know, a, a more inclusive size range at the very beginning? Yeah. So I think it really just came down to like when I first started the brand, I just, I knew I wanted it to be inclusive and where everyone could feel like they belonged. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that did mean having um, an extended size range. And yeah, I know a lot of brands starting out typically just go up to extra large, but Mm -hmm. I just, I really wanted to put in the extra time and effort to really create a line up to 4X because I just really feel like everyone should feel like they belong and that they have clothes that fit their body so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with all my messages around being worthy, like I want everyone to feel worthy and like they can wear these clothes. So it was just, it was so important. It wasn't even a question of if I was going to um, offer that or not. Like I always knew I was going to from the very beginning. Nice. And yeah, I feel like many designers shy away from doing that at, at the beginning because they maybe are intimidated by it or feel like it's really difficult for or not realistic for a small brand. Um, did you find it like was it that hard or do you feel like that's more of a, a maybe a, a mental block designers might have of this is not attainable for a, a startup brand? Um, yeah, what, yeah. What were the challenges and and how feasible was it? And looking back, was it totally worth it? Yeah. So, I mean, in my own experience, I feel like it was very feasible and realistic. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing too, is like, I only launched with three products to start. So Mm -hmm. I guess if another brand was launching with more products, it might be more difficult, but again, they do always have the option to pair back those items. So because I only started with three, um, I could offer that full range and yeah, it maybe did, um, take a little bit more time and, um, a little bit more cost to develop that, but, um, it's just worth it in the end. Like I, yeah, I know quite a few brands that have just started with their, um, a certain size range, but I don't know, in, in my own experience, and I know everyone's experiences are different, but it definitely was very feasible. That's great to hear. And yeah, I'm kind of with you too. I, I lean towards just in my opinion that if you know you want to do it, like start from the beginning, that way you can really develop that. And, you know, if that's important to the brand, develop that from the beginning. And yes, there is a little bit more, it's more sizes. You're having to fit on more people and, you know, get more samples made to fit on those people. But um, it's not, I don't think it's as big of a challenge as I think a lot of people think it is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, it, it is, it is realistic if you're, if that's important to invest in for your brand. Yeah, definitely. So kind of what were, I want to dive in a little bit more to this, just because I know this is something that comes up with a lot of um, brands is what were, you said it was, took a little bit more time and, and effort. What were the things that took more time or were slightly more difficult in offering a more inclusive size range? Yeah. So I think um, the biggest thing was just creating additional patterns. So I guess mm-hmm. some brands might just grade up. So for example, we we typically start with um, say like a smaller medium. Um, mm-hmm. And then once we kind of get that um, item to the to a good place and fitting really well, then we'll grade it to the other sizes. Um, but kind of when you get to the plus size range, you need to take into account, into account like all of their curves and the different body mm-hmm. shapes. Um, and so you can't just straight grade up. It won't necessarily um, fit the same. And so it's so important to do those extra adjust- adjustments um, just to make sure they fit their body like really beautiful. Um, and I think too, like this is kind of, this is just coming up in my head right now, <laughs> but I really do think that you should find clothes that or clothes should be made to fit your body and not the mm-hmm. other way around. You shouldn't need to change your body to fit clothes. And so, 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's just like such a, such an important thing that, yeah, we want to make clothes that fit your body exactly as it is. Cause it's beautiful. It's perfect. Exactly as it is. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, it's great to hear that, like, okay, it wasn't as, as difficult as some people think it is. And yeah, I, I can speak to the grading side of things. You do get a much better fit when you break off into a separate pattern for the plus sizes so that you can really dial it in almost on two fit sizes instead of just grading up and up and up, you know? Yeah, Because exactly. um, the, yeah, the body is it doesn't just get bigger it's the proportions change mm-hmm. yeah so I have a lot of pet peeves with like plus size fashion and how it doesn't fit in certain areas and I was really impressed just like looking at the photos at your site um, yeah and that's another and think- thing is you have photos on like different size and shape body shapes too and that the fit looks really good so congratulations yeah. on that <laughs> thank you yeah that's something that it's just so, so important. And yeah, we'll go through multiple rounds of fit testing if we need to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I work with like an amazing studio here in Calgary. Um, and she actually has a lot of past experience um, with plus size fashion. So she knows kind of the different adjustments to make. And um, yeah, she's really been able to help me to ensure the pieces just fit so, so nicely. and. Um, yeah, it's been really great. That's awesome. So what is kind of start to finish? What does your process look like designing pieces now? And what parts of the process are you doing versus um, having a team member or hiring out for? It sounds like you have a, a studio partner that you work with in your city. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think now, so actually at the moment we're working on designing the 
spring summer collection. So we're kind of in the more fit testing phase now, but when I Mm -hmm. first started thinking about what pieces I wanted to introduce to the collection, I just, at the moment, because I only have the three pieces in our, um, I guess what we call the worthy collection. Mm -hmm. I just kind of looked at what gaps there were. Um, And again, just thinking of pieces that would be very timeless, very effortless, um, and would go with the other pieces that are already in the collection. Um, But also pieces that would easily pair with items from your own wardrobe as well. So when creating um, the, like the worthy collection, the first collection we launched um, consisted of pants, a top and a coat. And so that was made to be worn as a set, but also that you could pair each individual item with clothes already in your closet. So you didn't necessarily have to buy the three pieces. Um, And so, yeah, at the moment uh, we have a few new designs that'll be coming out. And so once I get a little bit of an idea, I might gather some images, do some sketches, and then I take that to the studio. um, And then they, do all of the um, pattern drafting, Um, they do the samples, um, and they also do production um, for me as well. So it's nice with them being a smaller studio, I'm actually able to do made to order with them, um, which is great. I don't necessarily have any um, minimum order quantities. So yeah, I still, that's mainly how I um, operate today is the made to order model. And so it does take a few weeks usually for you to get your item, but it is made specifically for you. That's really cool. And so was was kind of the made to order also something that like you wanted to do or or was that something that later on you realized you had the ability to do with the studio and said, sure, why not? Yeah, so I think, Within the Factory 45 program, Shannon kind of really stresses not getting a ton of inventory made up before you even know if there's a want for your product. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which so is super she, smart. Yes, very, very smart. Um, and so she um, really advocates for the pre-order method when you're launching, which again makes a ton of sense because yeah, you, you, you don't really know before you launch if people are going to buy your clothes or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't sure if the studio that I was working with would do me to order if I would still need to do minimum order quantities. And so when I did find out that they were willing to do made to order, that was really awesome. Um, and I just, I love the pre-order method or the made to order method because it really helps to cut back on the amount of inventory and the amount of waste, um, overproduction, all of that. Nice. Yeah, that's super, super nice to have the option to do that. And like you said, test the market and really dial in the fit and get everything perfected before or maybe never (laughs) investing (laughs) in a lot of inventory. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get connected with this studio in Calgary? Yeah, so I honestly just Googled (laughs) places and um, came across their studio. Um, It's called Color Alchemist for anyone else that 
is in Calgary or if you're in Canada looking for a studio, um, they're awesome. It's just three ladies um, that work at the studio at the moment. And yeah, uh, the main owner, Martina, is just so knowledgeable and she's also just been so supportive and yeah, highly recommend them if anyone is looking for a studio here in Calgary. And was this like the first place that you had worked with to, to make your pieces and samples? Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, I honestly had thought I was going to have to go to Vancouver um, mm-hmm. to find a studio. I didn't really know if there was much in Calgary. So I was really happy um, to find this studio. And yeah, I think as I've grown, um, Martina has already kind of recommended some other studios that um, once I do um, need larger quantities that I can go over to them, but I would still always work with Martina to do all of the um, designing and yeah, making the items really come to life. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome to be able to find like a great fit studio or factory for your brand right off the bat. I feel like often it takes having conversations or doing a few samples or checking out like a few different places before finding the place that really gets your brand and can make the product and has the right minimums or no minimums. And so that's really cool that you were able to find someone so close to you that like is a really good fit for what your brand needs. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think I just lucked out finding her. And I think the other thing too, that also resonated was um, she also really likes working with like sustainable or slow fashion brands as well Mm -hmm. and kind of shared some of the same values. So that was really great. Yeah. Even a bonus on top of everything else is when, yeah. You're kind of aligned on what the goals are. That's awesome. So um, linen, I know, is is the fabric that you use for, I think, all of your pieces right now, correct? Yes. Yeah. So why did you choose linen? I just really love linen. (laughs) Um, It's funny because actually- You said it was the first first thing you made was a linen kind of coat, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because probably before I started sewing, I actually- didn't own any linen clothing and it's funny because I think I just thought oh it wrinkles like Mm -hmm. I don't want wrinkly (laughs) clothes (laughs) um but as you start to work with natural fabrics more like you just start to appreciate the wrinkles and you just know like that's it in its natural form and there wasn't say chemicals used to make it wrinkle resistant or it's not made Mm -hmm. of plastic which a lot of clothes that don't wrinkle are made of plastic polyester um and so yeah I think there's just so many benefits to linen um it is a natural fiber and one of the most sustainable fabrics as the flax plant doesn't need a lot of water for it to grow um the fibers are also very strong which makes linen clothing very durable and long lasting um it keeps you cool in warmer weather and then It also helps to keep you warm in cooler weather. Mm -hmm. And then I think my favorite thing about it is that the more you wash it and wear it, the softer it gets. So I feel like there's a lot of fabrics where I would say the more you wash it and wear it, the more it falls apart. Um, Yeah, or the more pills and loses softness or like twists around. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to 
work with a fabric where it actually gets better with time. Yeah. And it's, it's all, I feel like fabrics make a huge difference in the like feel and certainly the longevity of the end product. Like a, a quality fabric feels more expensive. I mean, it is more expensive, but it, like, <laughs> it looks and it feels more expensive. You know, it feels luxurious when you're wearing yeah. it. Yeah. And it does just, yeah, I think now that since I started sewing, like most of my wardrobe, I would say now is made of natural um, fabrics. I would say mm-hmm. mostly, mostly linen, but some organic cotton, um, like tensile. Um, but I really have noticed such a difference and I just find it so much more comfortable and breathable. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing with polyester for me is just like feeling sweaty and sticky yeah. <laughs> while wearing it. And so I think wearing linen so much, it's just, yeah, I don't get that feeling. And so I'm always, yeah, just very comfortable in it. Nice. Yeah. Fabrics have a huge effect on the look and feel and the, yeah, how they behave. They have different properties. So using all that to your advantage in the design and is always super fun. Yeah. Um, so what does a day in your life look like now? Are, are you full-time with the brand or you're still kind of working, you know, marketing job? Um, what does your day-to-day look like running Nicole and Rose? Yeah. So I still work my full-time marketing job, um, during the week. So I typically work on Nicole and Rose in the evenings, um, and on weekends is usually when I dedicate most of my time, um, to it. And yeah, I guess there's not necessarily a typical day. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like my to-do list is always very long (laughs) Um, and I always have so much, so much to get done. Um, But yeah, I'd say lately I'm mostly been working on, yeah, getting ready for the spring summer collection. So doing lots of um, meetings with the design studio, lots of fit testing, Um, Also working with our photographer to get the photo shoot details all figured out. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the main thing besides um, the usual, like, not so fun stuff such as bookkeeping and Mm -hmm. all of that, which I'm quite behind on, but (laughs) need to get caught up on. So it's not it's not all super super fun stuff when you own your own brand which I'm sure you know yeah Um, yeah I feel like it's almost half and half half is like the actual what people think you do in your job and then half if not more than half is all the admin and the bookkeeping and the website edits and like whatever else mm -hmm. goes into a brand yeah (laughs) yeah definitely cool um, so what would you say is the biggest challenge so far in running Nicole and Rose? Yeah, I think one thing is probably the, like, balancing it with a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that can be a little bit, a little bit difficult at times because there is so much I want to do um, with Nicole and Rose, but I only have so much time um, to do it when I have, yeah, my full-time job that I'm doing most of the day. Um, So just kind of having patience that there is so much that I want to do and get done, but knowing that it's just going to take time. Um, I think too, something that I've kind of struggled with is just really 
trying to grow my audience. Um, Mm. And again, I think learning patience has been a really, a really big thing. Um, When I first launched, I definitely was like, I want to take this full time as fast as I can. Like, I just want to work on my, my brand full time. Um, Mm. But I think I've come to realize like slow and steady actually is a good strategy (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And so, yeah. You're kind of in the anti, you know, the slow fashion, the anti-fast fashion as a brand. And so I I feel like sometimes that also applies to the business side too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Being slow and intentional has its benefits. Yeah, definitely. As well as its challenges, but definitely has benefits <laughs> too. <laughs> yes, I agree. And on the flip side, what what are you most proud of or excited about with running this brand? Um, I think, I mean, this has been such a long, long time dream of mine to have Mm -hmm. my own brand. So I think I'm really proud that I did go for it and I do have my own brand, um, which is awesome. Like it's literally been something that was a dream of mine since I was a very young girl. Um, and then I think too, yeah, I'm just really proud of I think how like inclusive we are and um, yeah, just creating hopefully that sense of belonging and really helping women to step into their power and um, I don't know, reclaim their self-worth and just really remember that they are worthy. They are enough exactly as they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm, I guess that leads into just being proud of the community that I'm creating. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think that's probably one of the best things of owning your own brand is all of the connections and just people and community um, that you build while doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It's the the relationships and kind of the, the side things and being able to, like you said early on, on our conversation today of being able to build a business that aligns with your values is, you know, I I feel like you can't get much better than that. Like if you have the opportunity to like fulfill that dream and do it in a way that like aligns with your goals and your values, it's really powerful. Yeah. So cool. Well, congratulations on making your dream happen and, um, being so inclusive and building this community along the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which you might have already answered it, but if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I probably have said it a couple of times, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> it would be that you are worthy and enough exactly as you are and always have been and that every single person in this world has so much value to bring to the world just by being their true authentic self nice I love it well this has been so fun Amanda to be able to talk with you and hear about your whole journey getting into fashion and building this brand Nicole and Rose where can people find out more about the brand online yeah, so our website is nicoleandrose.com. And then on social media, we're at 
shop Nicole and Rose. Well, and I'll put those in the show notes so people can check it out. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amanda. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun chatting with you, so thanks. Oh, good. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot com slash newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.